2: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Thank you for joining me once again in what's been a very interesting, as I call it, emotionally exhausting week. But today is episode 63 the Jocko Magicomo edition. I don't even know if I spelled that correctly, but Como, Magiacomo, whatever. I looked up how, how I do it with these random numbers that I don't really associate with a driver. Is I just Google NASCAR drivers, 63 car. Then that takes me to um, not racing reference, but driver I think. And then it shows me all the drivers that participated in the top level of NASCAR with that number or any level for that matter. And this one was Jocko. So he had 20 plus starts in the 63 car. And there were some other drivers that I I had heard of and whose name I can't pronounce, but this name was too good to not use for episode 63. So shout out to Jocko. I know nothing about you, but episode 63, it's yours, buddy. Today, we will recap Talladega Super Speedway, including the incredible display of solidarity before the race with Bubba Wallace on Monday. Everything that came with it, the race itself was unbelievable. We'll talk about that. And we'll also preview briefly the OG doubleheader this weekend at Pocono Raceway. But before we do any of that.
3: <laughs> All
2: right. That was like a very hype thing, but we're going to kind of bring it down. So as I'm recording this, it's Friday afternoon. As you're listening to this, it's probably the weekend or it might even be the week after. I don't know. But. It has been a tumultuously, emotionally exhausting roller coaster of a ride from Sunday night all the way up until now. Um, I have like subheadings when I do my podcast, and this one is just new situation, thoughts on how NASCAR handled it, and my feelings. So I kind of want to start off with a rough timeline of events, when and how things happen as we know it and knew it at the time, because... As you can imagine, in 2020 on the Internet, there's a lot of spreading misinformation and assuming and all that kind of stuff. So here's what happened. Late Sunday night, news broke that a noose was found in Bubba Wallace's garage stall. So NASCAR put out a statement, and I'm going to read it to you. It's important to listen to the words here, please. Late this afternoon, NASCAR was made aware that a noose was found in the garage stall of the 43 team. We are angry and outraged and cannot state strongly enough how seriously we take this heinous act. We have launched an immediate investigation and will do everything we can to identify the persons responsible and eliminate them from the sport. As we have stated unequivocally, there is no place for racism in NASCAR, and this act only strengthens our resolve to make the sport open and welcoming to all. Now, I wanted you to listen to those words because... That statement has zero, I I repeat, zero room for ambiguity or misconstruing. That statement, without saying the word hate crime, is saying, this has been a hate crime that has been committed towards our lone black driver in the midst when he is at the forefront of change and progressiveness in our society. That's what that statement is saying. There was no use of the word, as we'll get to, as Steve Phillips regretted not including, alleged, Because if you use that one word or maybe you didn't come out and so strongly use that language, which I commend them for doing, but I'm saying that this is how it kind of backfired, maybe that stuff wouldn't have happened. So that is late Sunday night. Then Bubba put out a statement that was very eloquent and and read very well. I ended up doing some research that night because my blood was boiling and I found a law that was introduced but never voted on, which is the News Hate Crime Act of 2011. And then I was eventually told by a couple people that, I believe, and then I did my own research and I called a lawyer friend of mine um, that um, that law was not actually a law. It was only introduced and it was never voted on. And then the next morning, which is Monday at this point because the race on Sunday was rained out, Monday morning the FBI is on site with 15 agents. So then Steve Phelps had a teleconference and outlined a timeline of events on Sunday and Monday. So those timeline of events are as followed Sunday night. The news was discovered by a crew member on the 43 car who Bubba later revealed to be African-American. The sanctioning body was then informed of that by the 43 team. They got security involved. An immediate investigation was launched. The Birmingham FBI office in Alabama was notified at 7:30 AM on Monday morning. And then later that morning, the FBI was on site and began their investigation. So here's a snippet of what Steve Phelps had to say to the media on that initial call. And I know it's going to be a lot more after this, but this is, again, the timeline of events as it kind of happened. Here is Steve Phelps.
1: We don't have a lot of answers at this moment, but did want to make sure we had a media availability to let you understand um, where we are today. um, And as uh, more things come to light. We will, uh, you know, keep uh, keep you informed as well. Um, hey, before we get into some timeline things, I want to. I won't read our full statement, but I thought there was one sentence that was particularly important uh, to talk about, uh, and I will uh, read it now. As we have stated unequivocally, there is no place for racism in NASCAR, and this act only strengthens our resolve to make the sport open and welcoming to all. So before I open up to a, free bu- uh, a few brief questions, I um, want to summarize in, in a very short order uh, the, the uh, you know, what happened yesterday afternoon. So late yesterday afternoon, a crew member from the 43 team discovered a noose in the 43 garage stall, uh, and that crew member informed NASCAR. Um, NASCAR security uh, got involved. Um, I got a Small group of senior leaders uh, in the sport together, or in at NASCAR together, um, to try to um, determine uh, what next steps would be. Uh, First thing was to launch uh, an immediate investigation um, into this uh, into this heinous act. um, As part of that, Um, we uh, this morning at seven thirty, we notified the Birmingham Birmingham office of the FBI, uh, and they are currently on site. Um, and they've started their investigation um, we are as I said in the early stages of this um, and we will continue to keep uh, the media informed as as uh, as we learn more um, you know uh, obviously this is a very very serious act and we take it as such um, we will do everything in our power to make sure that uh, whoever has uh, committed this act um, you know, comes to justice and and comes to light and we with this type of behavior from our sport, uh, from our sport.
2: He also mentioned that there would be some increased security measures put in place to keep one of their family members and Bubba Wallace
1: safe. Yes, I have spoken to Bubba. I, in fact, I'm the one that informed Bubba that this act had happened. Um, you know, it was a difficult moment for, for Bubba. It was a difficult moment for me. Um, but he is, you know, he's handled it with, uh, the grace that he has handled, um, you know, everything that's happened over the last few weeks. And uh, yes, we, we have make, you know, want to make sure that, that Bubba is safe and uh, we have stepped up security. And, um, you know, again, this is a, a family that that needs to take care of one of its family members who's been, uh, you know, who's been attacked. Um, and we are, we will firmly support uh, as an industry, as a family and a community to make sure, you know, Bubba and anywhere, everyone else in this sport is safe.
2: So then we get wind that there's going to be a very powerful, moving, emotional moment that's going to happen pre-race with all the drivers. And you guys have seen it by now. Even if you're not an NASCAR fan and you're listening to this, you've seen it by now. It was all of those things and more. I cried. Mike Joy was voicing that over, just off the dome, by the way, which is insane. Um, I mean, everybody was was emotional about it. Everybody was crying. Um, And there's no shame in that, obviously. And then... After that, you have a race, which we'll get to, but then the awesome moment post-race with Bubba and the fans, I, I'm telling you guys, I never thought that I would see the image that I saw of Bubba Wallace going up to greet a bunch of new black fans wearing Black Lives Matter shirts from Atlanta at Talladega during a pandemic, no less. But that, I think, was an equally as powerful and strong moment as the show of solidarity was pre-race. So, that was amazing. And we found out that Kevin Harvick was the one that came up with the idea to push the car to the front of the grid after Jimmy Johnson was the one that wrote in The Driver Group Me and said, listen, I'm standing next to Bob for, for the anthem. You guys are more than welcome to join. I hope you will. That's Monday. Then we get to Tuesday. Tuesday night. The FBI releases a statement about the incident saying that, Quote, on Monday, 15 FBI special agents were conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at Talladega Super Speedway. After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. I had parenthetically, I read that and I was very confused and anxious. The FBI learned that garage number four where the noose was found was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmed by NASCAR, that the noose found in garage number four was in that garage as early as October 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been in garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. The decision to not pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everybody who cooperated with this investigation. Now, I paused after each mention of the word noose because that's exactly what it was. A mention of the word noose because it was a noose unequivocally. The FBI said so, and NASCAR corroborated that in their statement as well, basically saying that we're happy that no hate crime was committed. So Steve Phelps called that the best situation possible and says that they would do the same thing again in terms of putting out the statement they did and reporting it to the FBI if it were to happen again. So that night, social media is swirling. So Bubba Wallace goes on Don Lemon's show on CNN and defends himself. Quote, I'm pissed. I'm mad because people are trying to test my character. They're trying to test my integrity. They're not going to steal that away from me, but they're trying to test that. He said that among some other things. Um, So this is what we know at this point. A noose was in Bubba's garage stall. The FBI concluded that it was there as early as 2019. So no hate crime was committed. That's a good thing. We also know that factually it was a noose. But to this point, no picture had been released by the FBI or NASCAR. There had only been photos that were circulating on social media from a YouTube video and other videos that we found later from Bob Parkers' iPhone in 2019 on the Monday that that noose was hanging in that garage stall, which was occupied by the Wood Brothers. So the original statement that NASCAR put out, as I mentioned, it it left no room whatsoever for interpretation. They said it was a, quote, heinous act. And that it was a noose. That's what was said. So that's what was reported. Because that's what we were told happened. Then the FBI got involved. And they came back to say that the noose was there in 2019. Now at this point it's Tuesday night. It's Wednesday morning. I, My mind's racing. I'm, I'm calling some other media members. And um, one that's pretty prominent. But he'll remain unnamed here. Basically... He was making a really good point that NASCAR put the media in a in a pretty shitty spot because we reported what we were told. And what are you going to do? Are you going to condemn racism? No. So you're going to say, yeah, it is a heinous act. This person should be held responsible and should be, you know, rotting in a jail cell. But the fact of the matter is, that's not what happened, at least not in 2020. And the, f- the problem with that is that it feeds into the narrative that this is a publicity stunt, that it was staged, that it's fake news, and people are using fake noose, and now they're calling Bubba Wallace Bubba Smollett, after Jesse Smollett basically faked a hate crime. That's the problem here, because people at that point still were not thinking that it was a noose. They thought that it was just a garage pull-down rope. And that unfortunately, in my mind, takes away from the moment that we saw on Monday to some. It doesn't to me, but in my mind, it takes away what we saw from that moment and that display of solidarity. Why I named this episode title Standing in Solidarity. It takes some of that away for some people. It doesn't for me. It doesn't for Bubba. It doesn't for everybody that was involved in that. But for some, it does. And that's a shame. And I know some people are probably thinking, well, screw what they think. They're keyboard warriors. They're living in their mom's basement, whatever. They're racist. I I know. I agree with all that. But the fact that that stuff is still out there bothers me. And it's annoying. And it's not okay. So, and and I wrote as I was prepping for it, I'll try to write something for Friday's column, but I'm exhausted in every way. And that's pretty much what I wrote about for my fire on Friday's column on frontstretch.com. So please go and check that out if you haven't already. So Steve Phelps addressed the media again and answered some questions that he couldn't initially answer at that original press conference or teleconference after the FBI's findings. So here's what we took away. I was going to put the whole audio clip in there for you, but it's literally like 10 minutes long. Here's what we know and what NASCAR's investigation concluded. The noose was not in place when the October 2019 race weekend began and it was placed there or made or fashioned at some point throughout that race weekend. He did not speculate as to why nobody reported it back then or before, but that's the problem. He also said that we need to do better as an industry, and he mentioned sensitivity training. Um, what else do we got here? He doesn't know if it's a functioning noose or who put it there at that time, and he did mention that he should have, in hindsight, used the word alleged, On Sunday night in the initial statement, he also took some responsibility for the wording of that statement because they were defending an attacked driver. That was his perspective, and I frankly agree with that. He also said that they surveyed all 29 tracks that they own, over 16,000 garages, excuse me, 1,600 garages. Out of all of those garages, there were 11 ropes that were tied with knots, and only one of them was in a noose form being the one at Talladega, as I said, there's too much audio to put in there. It would be another like 10 or 15 minutes, but that's the gist of what we know now. And this all happened in, what, three and a half, four days, and everything is changing by the minute. It's a national story. It's not just on ESPN. It's not just on Race Hub. It's not just on NASCAR America. It's on CNN. It's the lead story on the national news on ABC and NBC It's, it's a big freaking deal. Um, and I'm frankly, it's kind of selfish of me to say, but I'm glad that this is behind us now because I don't know how much more of it I could take. I can only even imagine what Bubba is thinking, um, in these circumstances, in these trying times. So here's what some drivers that were made available to the media had to say about the, the events that transpired and how it all happened. First, here's Ryan Blaney, Bubba Wallace's best friend for years upon years, Uh, who, spoiler alert, won the race. Um, And we'll get to that in a minute here. And I'll stop blabbering, I promise. But this is how he wants the race weekend to be remembered in five, ten years from now.
4: I want this weekend to be remembered by, I don't know, I guess a a good word would be unity. You know, everyone coming together and showing support. Um, I hate focusing on the bad things because that's what gets a rise out of people. But I feel like, You know, what everyone has said the last day um, has really shown, you know, that it's it's not going to be tolerable anymore. And we're all going to stand behind the people who are, uh, you know, mistreated. And uh, and that just shows what a family we are. You know, we're competitors all on the racetrack. But at the end of the day, we're one big traveling family. uh, And we're going to support anybody who, uh, you know, we compete with. And if they were, you know, get threatened in a way, we're going to have their back. And uh, I just, I just want everyone to, you know, you know, we're all in this together, and we support, we support everybody. Um, I, I thought it was a really great, great thing we did, or that happened at the beginning of the race. And um, I hope people remember that, and and show that it shows that, you know, we're all we're all one big family, and we're going to support each other no matter what. Well, I think that's how you got to handle those situations, right? I mean, you can't let it, you can't let some idiots, you know. You know trying to to threaten somebody um you know you can't let that affect you and i think you know it shows how strong bubba is to be able to you know okay you know you're hurt and really saddened by it and i'm you know i'm sure he's still hurt by it but then to come together all of us and then be strong i thought that that's how you got to deal with that stuff you know if you let it really eat away at you that person wins you know that those people win so um, I, I think it's, it's great that everyone rose up, uh, Bubba included and, and, you know, really came together. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be remembered as a, a terrible day or a, a bad day in NASCAR. You know, I want it to be remembered as there was an incident and we all overcame it together and, uh, you know, showed that we were not going to take it anymore, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of this shit and, uh, it's not something that he should deal with. And, um, you know, just, uh, all say about
2: that. Here's Eric Amarola, a diversity driver on his personal experiences within the sport. And I think he made himself a little bit vulnerable here. And I, at least was very appreciative of that and, and was really intrigued with his answer
5: personally. And, and I'm going to do my best to not make this about me. Cause this is not about me. I'll make that very clear. Um, but I came through the diversity program. I would not have the opportunity to be sitting here in front of you today if it wasn't for Reggie White, a black NFL football player who decided to put together a diversity program with Joe Gibbs and Joe Gibbs Racing. And that's how I got my opportunity because I'm a Cuban-American and my dad and and his whole side of the family came from Cuba in 1966. And so growing up trying to race as a Cuban-American, sure, I've had things uh, said to me, um, things that were offensive and that hurt. And so I I actually told Bubba this morning um, that on a very, very small scale, I can relate and I can empathize. Um, but I have never had to go through what he's had to go through um, these last couple of weeks and especially in the last 24 hours. And I feel for him immensely. Um, and, and I think that the sport has worked so hard since... I got my opportunity in in 2004 um, to adapt. You know, I think forever NASCAR has been considered an all American sport and all of America has changed and evolved a lot um, over time. And and I think that NASCAR has done an incredible job of being inclusive and making sure that the garage area, the, um, you know, the spectators, the fan area, that they all resemble all of America. Um, And I have been so proud to be a part of that initiative and that drive. And again, I am making this very clear. This is not about me. I'm just saying that I have had a firsthand look at it from the very beginning, when NASCAR started the whole diversity program and the drive for diversity. And I have gotten so much opportunity because of that, and I am so grateful and so thankful, and they continue to adapt and evolve and make our sport a more inclusive sport where people can feel welcome. If you like race cars and fast race cars and the adrenaline rush of cars going 200 miles an hour side by side, like you saw today, you should be able to come and be a part of it, whether as a competitor or as a spectator um, and and participate and enjoy it.
2: And here's the GOAT, seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson being a leader, as he is, on how the pre-race act of solidarity came together in support of Bubba.
0: Yeah, I think after seeing some of the photos, the first rain delay, I I noticed the magnitude and impact of of what we did as a group today. Um, When we all gathered at the race car, you know, not everyone responds in that chat. So I I knew that, that a lot of drivers wanted to come, but I didn't know how well attended it would be. I also knew that teams wanted to show their support as well. And until we started walking and I could see every driver there and looked back and saw each team jump off the wall and fall in line. Um, and then to go back to the rain delay, first thing I did is looked at my phone and, and, uh, saw the photos and to see how many, uh, people were on pit road showing their support for Bubba. Um, that, that warmed me up tremendously. Um, It was hard to really know know it in the moment. Um, You know, we're obviously out there on the grid and and without fans in the stands, it's it's a much different environment. But as I looked over my shoulder and as I saw the photos after, um, you know, realized the power of that statement and how many people were involved.
2: I'll shut up after I tell you this. What needs to be taken away from this whole entire situation, this whole ordeal, is how the industry came together in the face of perceived hate and that no hate crime was committed because it's too big a thing to ignore the covert racism that this sport has had ingrained in its DNA for decades upon decades upon decades. And I have not been watching NASCAR for 72 years. There's some people that have been. I've been watching it for about 20. But I challenge you to show me a moment in the sports history that was more powerful than that. I challenge you. And, of course, I'm biased, but I challenge you to find me another powerful moment in sports in my lifetime, which is 23 years, that was more powerful than that. Something that comes to mind is is the Mets playing, at nine, playing after 9-11 at Shea Stadium and Mike Piazza hitting that home run. Or George Bush throwing out the first pitch at a Yankees game in New York after 9-11. But, I mean, that that was a that was a terrible thing that happened to the country. This is a movement. They're not really comparable in that sense, but I think they also are because of the, the gravity and the, the magnitude that both of them carry. But, man, uh, I'm not like a crier. And I wasn't bawling my eyes out, but, I mean, I had tears rolling down my face and, That was a hell of a moment, man, Um, and it's a damn shame that it had to become somewhat embarrassing and awkward after the fact of the matter is that this was, as I said in my column, literally one of the most unfortunately timed misunderstandings of epic proportions. But that's what it was, and if you don't want to believe that, and if you don't want to believe that the picture that was released late on Thursday was a noose, I got nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. Because you can't look at that and tell me that it's a garage pull-down. And if you do, frankly, your racism is showing. All right. I'm done with these monologues, man. I know you come here for entertainment and fun, so let's give that to you. Geico 500 from Talladega Super Speedway. The race itself was pretty, uh, well, how do I put this, amazing. Uh, Best Super Speedway race in a long time that I have seen, personally. Because there was no real single-file action. There was one weather delay, unfortunately. Um, and Tyler Reddick wound up winning stage one. Stage two had a lot of action. 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. just beat Ryan Blaney to the stage win for a playoff point for him. So let's fast forward to the end. Coming down to the wire, Jimmy Johnson trying to make a move past Kevin Harvick, or in front of Kevin Harvick, and Kevin basically doesn't lift, uh, spins him. Sets up overtime. We have overtime. Kevin Harvick is leading on the backstretch. Big run is coming with the pack led by Blaney. Cannot adequately block that. He's hung out to dry. Blaney's in the lead. Winds up being a drag race to the start-finish line. John Hunter Nemechek's coming for the checkered. So is Eric Jones. Stenhouse is there to pounce. Blaney wrecks Jones, not on purpose, but it happens. Eric Amaro is wrecking. They all were wrecking in turn three before they even got to turn four to do this all at the start finish line through the triable. And what happens? By seven one thousandths of a second, Ryan Blaney is your winner winner chicken dinner for the second straight time at Talladega. The second straight time that he's won by this margin of victory. seconds. Man, what a race and what a day, as we talked about earlier, for Bubba Wallace and the show of solidarity with him. Here is your race winner, Ryan Blaney, on the race, but more importantly in the big picture of things, what happened pre-race?
4: Yeah, definitely a a good ending to the day for sure on our end. Um, Being able to to inch him out uh, there at the line. Um, But, you know, uh, the start of the day, um you know all the drivers on on pit road pushing bubba's car and uh showing their support uh it was just an honor to be a part of that um you know not only the drivers too but the crew members uh, and the fans that were in attendance as well NASCAR um you know that's that's something that I think everyone will remember for a long time and it showed how much we support uh not only Daryl um you know it's that was the main reason we were doing it just to support Daryl but you know everybody that's, that's been impressed, not only the past few weeks, but for a long time. Um, and you know, what happened yesterday uh, was disgusting and I don't understand uh, how pe- how a person or people can have that hatred in their heart for someone who just looks different than they do. Um, it's never something I'll understand. Um, and I, it was, it almost brought me to tears when Bubba told me yesterday uh, what, what happened and um you know he doesn't deserve that it, no one deserves that and uh you know but but i think the good thing is what we you know us as a community came together showed our support and uh i know he really appreciated it and um it was the least we can do to, to show that we're behind him 100. i'm always going to be behind him 100 uh, percent. i have been for 15 years and i i hope to make it you know 50 more being behind him all the way and uh supporting him every step along the way so um that was definitely a special moment to be a part of before the race
2: Crew Chief Todd Gordon gets his first win atop the pit box with Ryan behind the wheel. He actually made himself pretty vulnerable here, too. He actually said that he had a narrow-minded view of things in the offseason when the Crew chief shuffle was announced, and he explains why. But I think it's worked out pretty well for them all.
6: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, it's I'll, – I'll be honest. The first day that they said it to me, I was I was like, I didn't get it. Um, but that's because you – know, I, I like to put it as, you know – Roger sees a picture from 10,000 feet um, and I see it from the ground level so I don't see the whole picture and and the more you know it took about a month to, of working through things to get where I understood the whole picture um, and I won't say I was I, I wasn't I was we were working forward having having great things going on through that month but I, as we went farther along more things became relevant and, and aware to me that you know we we put we put personalities and, and traits of teams and drivers together that I think can help them move to the next, to the next level. And, uh, you know, you, you see it, you see it in Paul and Joey, uh, you know, Joey, Joey was almost my kid when he came in and he didn't need me anymore. And in, in, in that respect, and and I think the, the change there, Paul challenges him differently than I did. And, and that's worked out. I think, you know, obviously I think Ryan's done a great job in our situation. And I think he's, He's, he's had great runs. Um, you know, I, I feel badly because I feel like we've, we've, we've deprived him of a couple wins um, already this season, but um, you know, they'll come. And, and I think, you know, Jeremy and Brad are doing a great job together. So um, once you kind of saw it on the racetrack, you get the whole picture, but uh, you know, Roger, uh, Roger and everybody at team Penske, Tim and Michael and Travis, you know, they, they get it. And I think they made a great change that, that allowed all of our teams to, to, to kind of challenge each other to, to, to bring new things to the racetrack.
2: P2 close, but no cigar for Ricky Stenhouse jr. Although it was his best finish since Daytona in 2017 when he won for Rash Fenway racing. So not a bad day at the office for the 47 driver.
3: Yeah, we, you know, didn't get a great restart. Uh, Blaney and I didn't get hooked up good enough. Uh, and that seemed to, you know, let the outside lane get a run. It let the four and the 17 out front. But what that intended to do uh, is let me and the 12 get hooked up and get a draft from those two cars that were out front. Uh, so I pushed Blaney really hard down the back straightaway, and uh, then when we went into three and four, I uh, wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go. Um, you know, we ended up going low, and then I thought I was done. I thought I was a sitting duck. Uh, the outside lanes were coming. The 20 had a good run, uh, and then they started banging, you know, fenders and you know, slowing each other down and I just kept in the throttle and, uh, you know, was able to, you know, get close to the uh, nose of the the 12 there coming across the line. But all in all, it was just a a solid day for us. Our Nolson and Drink Camaro was was really fast. And um, we lost track position, but seemed to be able to get that back pretty quick. Um, You know, our car was fast, worked well with with others. And, um, you know, I think all the blue ovals there together at the end were just really tough to
0: beat.
2: Ricky is from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Mississippi state flag does have the Confederate flag symbol on it. And there have been problems with that flag, obviously, as we have discussed at nauseam. So what did he do? He took that stuff off of his fire suit, off of his helmet, and off of his belt buckle.
3: Yeah. I mean, you never want to do anything to offend, um, you know, anybody on purpose, um, obviously not being on purpose, but you know, it's our state flag. Um, and I've always been proud to, to be from Mississippi and, um, you know, and I've always supported um, or, or wore the flag on my belt for man, a long time, um, you know, and I've never really thought of it, um, you know, offending um, anybody. But, um, you know, obviously with, with everything that's going on in the country uh, with, you know, the rebel flag um, and, and learning um, really how, how it offends so many people. Um, you know i don't i don't intend to do that um and you know that was just a way for us to to make sure as um you know myself and and jtg and and our partners that um we wanted to take an uh, initiative to to take that off before we we felt like um you know somebody wanted us to to have to or um sorry hang on are you all still there mm-hmm. All right. People calling on my phone. It was got messed up. So, um, you know, we just wanted to be proactive and make sure that we, you know, got that off and, and didn't offend anybody. Um, you know, going forward.
2: Eric Amarola, as I mentioned, he came across the finish line backwards sliding, but third somehow. Um, and here were his comments on the new rules package that was enforced at Talladega the first time after Ryan Newman's crash and how that kind of contributed to the racing being a little bit better.
5: Yeah, the, the runs did seem uh, a little slower. Um, the other thing I noticed was uh, with the cars going a little bit slower, um, you know, we didn't get the typical single file out right around the fence. Um, we kind of stayed more packed up and, and together, uh, which, you know, to me, I thought there was gonna be more wrecks because of it, uh, which is why, you know, early in the race, I, I saw what I had in my race car. I thought I had a really fast car. And so I chose to just kind of ride around and survive. Um, you know, these races uh, usually have a lot of attrition, a lot of wrecks in the big one. And so I thought, uh, you know, our strategy was to make sure we were we were there at the end. Um, and we did that. But uh, the the package um, seemed to keep the cars a lot closer together and, and nobody really broke away.
2: As I said, legitimately a great race. I don't use that word often, but I think this was a great race. And it kept feeding into the great vibes that we had pre-race and in post-race and what we saw. And those vibes have not been killed totally, I must say, because I'm still hype about it. I'm still proud to be a NASCAR fan. And, man, what a Monday at Talladega. But that wasn't the only racing action that we had from Alabama. The Xfinity Series and Arkham Menards Series were in action. Just quickly, we'll recap them. Justin Haley started on the pole and ended in victory lane. P1 to start, P1 to finish held off the rest of the field for the victory, his first one in the Xfinity Series, which is a big, big deal for him because he's wanted to get this W specifically for a long time. But get this, not only does he have a hell of a resume, not only has he won in all three national series now, but here's his resume, and this is Matt Weaver's tweet that I saw after the race. 2016 Canaan East Champion, three Arca Menards victories, three Truck Series victories, he's won the July Daytona race, Albeit, that was luck. And he now has won the Xfinity race at Talladega. And if you are not a fan of the yellow line rule, double yellow line rule, he also has a summer Daytona Xfinity victory as well. The kicker, he's 21. He just was able to drink. Man, oh man, oh man, Justin Haley. That kid's pretty good, huh? I, I would say so. How about the ending to that thing with Colic Racing backing him and pushing him to the victory?
3: You know, it was crazy. Obviously, we had a really fast Chevrolet all day. Um, I think the surprising moment was when the 8 gave uh, me and Ross and, and lined us up together. We all know how fast these ECR college racing cars are. So, teamwork, baby. Um, I pushed him to the win at Daytona. He pushed me here. So, just incredible, incredible day. Incredible to get Leaf Filter, uh, their first win. I know it's been big for the 11 cars. So, super
2: special for me. And one of those teammates that he mentioned was Ross Chastain, who wins the Dash for Cash bonus hardy $1,000 for that race team. And it was a really cool moment after the race. I think at least you had AJ Allmendinger in the 16, Ross Chastain in the 10, Justin Haley in the 11, and they all kind of met where the start finish line or around where that is. And they were hugging like they weren't high-fiving. They weren't like cheering each other on. They were doing that. And then some like they were hugging. And I think that was just a really cool show of teamwork. And, um, it makes you realize NASCAR is a team sport, especially on these super speedways. So here's a hundred thousand dollars and a lot more watermelon for Ross Chastain.
3: Yeah, it uh, turned out good. And that's all that matters in these places. If you can finish, uh, you've accomplished something. So um, we were strong all day and a green, our green flag pit stop. I mean, that's how you draw it up. Uh, When you want, when you want to pit, get on pit road and the caution come out and you're able to restart with all your teammates up in the front. Um, that was really good. So unfortunately, Anthony in the 21 sped. Um, and I knew it as soon as we got on the brakes off turn four, he was leading me and I knew he was going to speed. So he got back up there and was there to fight with us at the end, but, uh, you know, it definitely was good. Um, you know, felt really good. I'll be honest. It, that was the best I've ever felt finishing second for sure.
2: And the day before, or I actually know hours before we also had an ARCA race. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> it was pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. Um, Until the car count and gets up and that series as a whole kind of gets overhauled, this is kind of what it's going to be, and I don't really think there's any point in going to Tal Daga. But don't tell that to Drew Dollar and Venturing Motorsports. They are now three for three in 2020 with the Arkham Menards Series. Drew Dollar is your winner at Dega. Hey, Drew, congrats on the win, buddy. A uh, couple questions for you. First one is Victory Lane, your first time in the Arkham Menards series. I know this isn't really how you pictured it, but how was it celebrating in Victory Lane with kind of nobody around you? Yeah, I think the most
0: exciting part was crossing the the, the uh, checkered the, the checker flag. But um, a little bit unevent, uneventful in Victory Lane, but I saw that beautiful General Tire trophy and my crew chief and Kevin Reed. So at least I got to see them, them and I could tell they were pumped up.
2: And I don't really know any other way to phrase this second one other than, um, like at any point out there today, were you bored inside the race car?
0: I had one of the guys on my team buddy walking down pit road with me, going to the car and he said, every lap, tell yourself, laser focus, laser focus, every single lap. Cause as soon as you lose a little bit of focus, um, you know, they'll slip right underneath you. You'll come up that off that yellow line and they'll slip underneath you. But, um, you know, that's what it was all, whatever it was, 78 laps, laser focus, every lap. And, uh, you know, I settled in, calmed down, but um, I don't think it got boring. And definitely wasn't
2: boring.
4: <laughs> 10-4. Thank you, buddy.
2: Pretty sick save for Michael Self on the last lap, too, or maybe it was with a couple laps ago. I don't remember, but, yeah, that was that was one of the worst races I've ever seen, like, straight up. And, and I asked Drew to, like, you heard it there. I mean, I I don't really know any other way to, to spin it other than, like, that was so boring. But, hey, we'll take racing any way we can get it, right? A very brief race weekend preview from the Tricky Triangle Pocono Raceway, a doubleheader for the Cup Series, five races scheduled in three days, seven if you want to count the doubleheader in Utah for the Arkham Menard Series West, 325 miles on Saturday, that is the Pocono Organics 325 in partnership with Rodale Institute, 3.30 p.m. on Fox, then you're going to turn around on Sunday, bring the same car, Invert the field and run 350 miles um, the for the Pocono 350. That is Sunday, 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. But in between there, as you're listening to this, the race is probably going on or ended. But the ARCA race is Friday night at 6 p.m. on FS1. Then Saturday, we also have the Truck Series, the Pocono Organics 150 to benefit Farm Aid. That will be 12.30 p.m. on Saturday on Fox Sports 1. Then you got the cup race. Then you got Sunday. There's an Xfinity race at 1230, the Pocono Green 225, recycled by J.P. Mascaro and Sons, on Fox Sports 1. And then you have another cup race on Fox Sports 1. So we got a lot of racing going on, I would say. Um, As I mentioned, for the cup doubleheader, you're only going to have one car for both of those races. And if you crash it in the first race and you can't make it repairable for the second one, you'll bring out your backup and then you'll start at the rear. So I think people in the first race are maybe going to just take it a little bit easy for the second one. But who knows? We'll see. As I mentioned, Xfinity Trucks, Arca, Arca Menard Series West, all on Fox, Fox Sports 1, and Track Pass. Boy, I cannot wait to sit my ass on the couch and vegetate and watch all this stuff. Oh, bring it to me. After this week, I I need it, frankly. Look, that's up that week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Very, very short lug nuts of the week because there was <laughs> no real news other than the bubble Wallace stuff that was going on this week. But Andy Street was fined $5,000 for one loose lug nut on Anthony Alfredo's number 21 Dude Wipes Chevrolet after Talladega. And New Hampshire Motor Speedway is going to allow up to 35% capacity for their race weekend in early August. I uh, actually may up there around early August. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to the race, um, but who knows? We'll see. And some late-breaking news, actually. Natalie Decker has been hospitalized after some complications from her gallbladder surgery that she had back in late of 2019. So best wishes to Natalie for a speedy recovery for her. She, unfortunately, will not participate in the 44 truck for Nice Motorsports this weekend at Pocono. But health and safety first, and we wish wish Natalie a speedy recovery. That'll wrap things up for Episode 63 the, who was it again? Jocko Magamo Como, whatever edition of Victory Lane 2.0. I'm sure that people listening know who that is and they're like, oh, he keeps butchering the name. He's such an idiot. But sorry about it. Please do me a favor. If you like what you heard, leave a rating, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. for pretty much everywhere you get your podcast. So if we're not there, send me a message and I'll try to do my best to get us available there for you. My dad actually told me today that he unsubscribed and resubscribed, but he didn't write a review, so I'm adding you right now, Dad. Where's my review? Come on. Where's your support? All right. That's it. Um, hopefully we'll have a little bit more of a like show next week because that's what I want, and hopefully another interview because I've been trying to get somebody on for a while, and I still got my buddy Dalen Barr in the can. I'm waiting for the right opportunity, all right? I promise you, Dalen. Peace and love, my dude and dudettes. We'll talk soon.